Greetings, everybody. This is a Travel Addict podcast where you can hear candid stories and discussions about business and adventure travel from around the world with activities such as trekking, diving, camping, driving, cruising, and just plain chilling out somewhere. We talk about lots of experiences in places all over the world, including the grand, the remote, the edgy, the risque, and ones of questionable merit. Education, fulfillment, and wonder enrich our lives. And of all the books in the world, the best stories are found between the pages of a passport. Stay tuned. Hello, everybody. Malcolm Teasdale here, the travel addict. Hope you're all well. Today, I have a special guest. Actually, when she approached me, I was intrigued by her past life, and um, this is a conversation which is absolutely perfect for me because I, I, I love talking to people like this. Leah Badgley was actually born in uh, Yangon, Myanmar, born and raised there, but she's traveled around Asia. She's back in Seattle now. But So I'm intrigued by what she's uh, done uh, in the past, uh, but without more to do, rather than me talk about it, I'm introducing to Leah Badgley. Hi there. Hi, Malcolm. Hey, how are you doing today? I'm okay. I'm. It's uh, it's kind of chilly and misty here, but uh, I don't know what it's like where you are. Destin, Florida, and it's cold. What is cold here is probably not as bad as where you are, right? Well, but, Seattle's a temperate place. It's not unlike London. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I, in fact, um, we had freezing rain a little bit this morning, which is really weird. Uh, it is what it is. Leah, thanks for joining me today. And it intrigued me uh, reading your bio. And the first thing that comes into my head, because I've spent a lot of time in Asia, I used to live in Singapore, and you were born in Yangon, Myanmar. Yes, and, I was. Um, you, you were raised there. Can, uh, can you tell us a little bit about that experience? Sure. I, I wasn't so much raised there, but uh, have spent quite a bit of my life there in various decades, shall we say. Uh, my father is an academic and a specialist in Southeast Asia. And so the first time we were there, w- w- when I was born there, uh, he and my mother uh, went there for research purposes. And my mother was seven months pregnant. And so I was born there and then lived there until about six years old. And then we had to leave because of nationalization uh, in then what was then Burma. And so I returned a couple of times as an adult, once with my father on a Fulbright scholarship. And then another time I was offered an opportunity to open a restaurant there. And so I did that in 1995 and met my husband there. And that restaurant, by the way, is still there. Not that I own it, but it's still there. Still there. I went there, by the way. <laughs> that's what I was going to tell you about. I'll, t- I'll tell you about that a little bit later on how I got there, but that, that was a problematic experience. Um, I, I just wondered uh, your memories of Yangon. Obviously, it's been in the news uh, lately, but it's had a tumultuous past, you know, and it was occupied by the Brits at one time. But what do you remember about living in Yangon? 
As a child or as an adult? Let's start off with a child when you were a youngster. Well, we lived, uh, the, the part that I remember, we lived up country in a, what was then a village, but is now a, a big city called Monua. Mm-hmm. And I, we lived in, there weren't many, how to say, foreign amenities that we would recognize as amenities. So yeah. uh, my family, I was five, six years old, and we lived as locals do. Uh, we were in a house that had been built actually for missionaries uh, in uh, previous years. We were not missionaries, my, though my father was there doing research. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so I have memories of geckos in the walls. I have mm-hmm. memories of a peacock coming every morning to the front garden and opening up its marvelous display for the sunrise. And so I have I have great memories. I have I have all kinds of weird memories. A full moon funny walking you, in the dark. Funny you should say weird memories. You left there at age six, but when did you go back there? You were a bit older. When did you go, when you went back there? So the first time that I returned as an adult was in 1987-88, which was right before all of the things changed. Uh, and I uh, was there as a tourist, sort of, though tourism, as you know, was not really a well-developed thing until more recently. Yeah. Uh, but I had an opportunity to visit and meet for the first time my aunties, my uh, re- non-blood relatives yeah. who were good friends of my parents when I was much younger. And so I connected with that side of my family in a way. And I was also recovering from a major sort of health issue. And it was very comforting to feel that humidity and the heat and smell the smells. And first time when I walked off the airplane, I felt I had come home. And that was a surprise. That was a welcome surprise. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. It's probably changed a lot. I was there in 2015, by the way. When was the last time you were there in Yangon? 2019, 2020. It's okay. I was fairly recently then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, okay. I, I know they've They've had some trouble recently, of course, um, which is yeah, pretty bad. You probably got out got out of town before that, did you? I did. Did you know anyone that succumbed to the, the, the trouble that was happening in Yangon at the time there? I know there's peacemakers on the street, and the, but the military clamped down a little bit, didn't they? Well, uh, succumbed is an interesting word. Uh, I, I definitely have people in my life who have been negatively impacted. Yeah. I know people who were detained. I know people who were interrogated. Uh, but succumbed implies something even harsher than that. Uh, so definitely impacted. Yeah. How could people not be impacted by what's going on there? Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable, really. Here's a country, or at least a city. And obviously, a lot of people live there. It's obviously poor neighborhoods, but it's full of richness, full of gold. I mean, for, for people listening there, I, uh, you probably went to Shuadagan Pagoda, which is 
quite unbelievable. It really is just uh, steeped in gold and diamonds. It's a spectacular sight. And um, that was worth going to just for my visit to uh, Yangon. Um, I stayed at uh, I stayed at a small hotel called the Cloverleaf Plus Hotel, just around the corner from the um, Shangri-La, which I spent a lot of time in the Shangri-La. So I was able to walk to the Shwedagon Pagoda. But I, I tell you this because you might explain to me why. I don't know if you do, but as I was walking up to the pagoda, it's about a mile. The sidewalks are pretty bad because there's big gaping holes in the sidewalks when I was there. But periodically, there were houses which had guard dogs, but they're out on the street. They weren't inside the property. Did you ever? Did you notice that? Well, I, uh, I can't speak to guard dogs. I know that there are lots of feral dogs uh, in packs who, yeah. who roam the city. So if you're walking after dogs, dark after dark after dark you really need to take a stick with you or some rocks in your pocket yeah. to throw at them yeah uh, but i think that that's not uncommon in many uh so-called developing countries i remember going to now i don't know what security is like there but let me tell you this and you may be able to explain it to me i went to uh, batatwang did i pronounce that right pagoda right by the river Town. So you speak language fluently, I don't. <laughs> so I got a taxi down there. When I was finished there, I wanted to get a taxi back to my hotel. I had a map with me, and I knew exactly where my hotel was relative to the pagoda. But I got on the taxi, and he drove the opposite way. Now, I didn't think much of it at first, and he kept on going, and he went across the bridge eastwards. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> I, I had to get him to pull over. And I'm thinking, well, I can get out here, but I still got to get another taxi back. And that's the first time I've ever got in a taxi. Well, it's not the first time that I was worried about kidnapping. Should I have taken that seriously as it was, or or what was that? Was I dreaming? Did you because worry it, about kidnapping when? Uh, no. Why would you worry about something like that in a what is essentially a police state? People do not want to break the law in a police state. Why was he going in the opposite, completely opposite direction? It was maybe his second day on the job. Maybe he didn't know. Maybe he wanted to take you to his family home and honor you by having you have lunch with his mother. There are a whole lot, a whole of, lot of things, eh? a whole lot of angles that maybe we wouldn't. We we often default to fear, yeah. uh, and that's in a country, not just. Myanmar, not just or Burma, uh, but many Buddhist company companies, countries. countries yeah. uh, there are different ways of looking at hospitality. Exactly, exactly. But that's the first time. The Philippines was another one that that really was going out of the way to take me away from where I needed to go to. I wasn't worried about it. In fact, um, he put some music on the car on the way back to where I needed to go, and. Um, I gave him an extra tip for his troubles to get me back where I wanted to go. So it was all fine at the end of the day, but it's just one of those things that stayed in stayed in my mind. Well, all in yeah, all, though, and when you're in a place where you know you don't speak the language and you don't necessarily know what's going on around you, yeah. and there is, it is a country that has a a volatile past, a, a violent yeah. past, not towards uh, visitors. Yeah. Uh, per se, but towards their own people, of course, you, we we are concerned about things. Yeah. Uh, I I assume that his English was not very good, no. and uh, 
that's a generational thing. If you run into anyone who's say over 55, 60 years old, they all speak English, yeah. but, but the younger people, not so much. And that's just a reflection of decades of the leadership that they've had. But, but in fairness, should a country, should they have to speak English? The, the arguably we can get into a history lesson about, you know, imperialism and colonial legacy, and, and uh, maybe they should be only speaking Chinese and not English, but that's perhaps another discussion. Now, talking about colonial legacy, and you'll know this place, the Strand Hotel, I went there one night and I thought, this is very British to me. It's a bit like the raffles is to Singapore in a way. <laughs> and I bumped into some Brits there. And it seemed to me there was British there and have been there for a long time, they going dating back to the when the British occupied the country. Yes, and there's left are. remnants of the British Empire there. Am I right in the thinking that? You are right. Yes, you are. I I I have a friend who lives up country in, in uh Puinu Luin, who is the former British Council, not during British times, but during the you know, the the time when I was living there and yeah. he uh, lives there and runs a school and, and is, uh, has a Burmese wife. There are uh, of course the people who were there under British times are, 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 are passing on now um, quite yeah. elderly. But when I lived there in the nineties and, and have subsequently visited yeah. say every two or three years uh, they there, I met many, especially cool old ladies who <laughs> just didn't want to go <laughs> home. <laughs> yeah. They have this marvelous life, and and why would they want to go back? No, and, I get it. I completely understand that. You know, they have their gardener and their maid, yeah. and who will massage their feet, and it's a nice life. So, so uh, it uh, visas and and um, living there are, uh, is always a. a interesting way to to navigate the system but those those wonderful people had you know figured it out we're not talking thousands of people oh no 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 but but definitely a, a good handful oh, my, def my def husband, definitely yeah, well, they're around now afternoon tea British thing afternoon tea in the, the strand that's why I bumped into them I've seen the same thing in uh, India as well and uh, Thailand yeah. of course they, they're just these remnants of the British Empire there anyway great place okay. uh, great place if anyone thinks about going to Myanmar a more peaceful times it's wonderful now you, I know you went to Cambodia yes. and and Phnom Penh and you went to the killing fields and that registered with me as well because I recently went to Krakow uh, see Auschwitz, and I. This was just uh, in September, and I thought I don't know which was worse, Auschwitz or the Killing Fields. They're both horrific places. But you went to uh, the Killing Fields there and saw the horrors. And well, if if I could, if I could just clarify. Um, so when you say Killing Fields, I'm not sure if you're talking about the outside of Phnom Penh exactly yeah. area. Well, I actually never uh, visited there. I worked in the Tool Slang Museum of Genocide right. in Phnom Penh. Oh. That was my job for a year wow. of, of documenting that archive. I worked for Cornell University, and the, I was the managing director of, that, of the tail end of that project. There yeah. were other directors before me. And I happened to be living in Phnom Penh and was through, it's a long story, uh, offered that position 
And so my office every day was in Tool Slang, the, That's amazing. the, the That's amazing. former S21 interrogation center for high-ranking Khmer Rouge cadre. Yeah. So I actually held all those documents, all those when you go there and you see the mugshot photographs. Yeah, the pictures, yeah, they're all on the we, walls, yeah. Well, well, those were just crusty negatives when I was there. And so I helped a group of American photographers uh, rehabilitate those negatives Is that right? so that yeah. they could be put up and displayed. And all of that work was subsequently, of course, used for the crimes against humanity, against high-ranking Khmer Rouge. Um, but yeah, exactly. uh, yeah, so that was a very interesting time in my life too. Yeah, I bet it was. I, I, did, I did go to that museum actually, and it's uh, it's unbelievable really. And uh, I saw the gallows there and obviously the, the torture rooms. I, I It's un unbelievable how... Uh, our history where the human race can be so cruel at times. It's, uh, but appreciate your good work to try and get, bring people to justice. I mean, uh, you lived in Phnom Penh. Whereabouts did you live in the city? I lived in a southern uh, district called Chumkarman, which okay. actually is not that far from Tool Slang. But, okay. um, it, you know, and, and this was in 1993. So the city was not nearly as developed as it is now. So um, it was a lovely place. Had a garden. <laughs> oh well, that's fine. I, I a lot of character. I haven't been to Siem Reap before. See Anchor Wat. Uh -huh. uh, it's just passing through. I thought go and see stands at Phnom Penh for a few days, and it's you know it just stayed by the river and um, in a little uh, like eco friendly hotel there, and just walked around. I really enjoyed it. Chaotic, of course, which a lot of uh, Cambodian cities are, but uh, really really nice. And now, regards to Southeast Asia, you've probably been. To, to many places in Southeast Asia. What stands out, apart from uh, Myanmar or Cambodia, what stands out as a, a place? If you were talking to someone and say, I want to go to Southeast Asia, but where should I really go to? Someone asked well, that that's a, I actually do get asked that quite a bit. So I, like you, I lived in Singapore for several years and, and I also uh, lived in Thailand and um I so I can so that we're talking mainland Southeast Asia, um, Burma, Myanmar. That's where you have to go. Interesting. Sorry, I am I am just biased, completely biased. Well, obviously there's there's modern places, but obviously I love I love Thailand because so different jungles in the north, beaches in the south, and the chaotic Bangkok, Myanmar. Because you have a lot of history there, what would draw people in? To exactly what you just said about Thailand. Mountains in the north, beaches in the in the mid and south. Yeah. So so Myanmar is a huge country. It's shaped yeah. like a kite with a long tail. So in the north, you can go trekking in the Himalayas, essentially. Yeah, that's right. You know, 23, 24,000, sorry, I don't know how right. many feet, you know, mountains. And then you can go be in the most, and I've been to many beaches, the most beautiful beaches in the world. And uh so Yes, it is not as slick as the tourist route in Thailand, but it is more, I don't know, perhaps if you work a little harder to get there, you enjoy it when you're there a little more. Uh, you know, there's an there's element of truth in that. My first trip to Myanmar, I couldn't get in because my visa, it was a screw up uh, between the Myanmar embassy here who Whatever they did, they messed up uh, my visa. By the time I got to immigration, they wouldn't let me in. So I, to, I said, why? Why is this all right? I said, no, we can't let you in. 
Yeah, it looks like a screw up. It's expired. What, whatever it was. So they took me to a holding room. He said, "Yeah, they're not going to let you in, Mister Teasdale. You, you're going to have to get that last flight out of town." And that's exactly what happened. T- two hours in Myanmar. That's. Unfortunate. <laughs> what year was that? I'm thinking 2013. Golly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what I did, I got the last flight out of town, went to Bangkok, and uh, landed there. Got got down in Sukhumvit Road in Bangkok. Went to the pub for the last last orders, but I didn't let that bother me. Two years later, 2015, I did go back there, and I got in no problem. I nearly all said, Do you "Remember me?" But no, they let me in, and it was great. And uh, it was. You, I'm you glad mentioned I really that went. you visited my restaurant. Is that correct? The restaurant yeah. I opened. This is what happened, Leah. I was. I went to the Strand. I remember you told. I told you, you went to the Strand. Beautiful bar in there. Beautiful. And I thought, well, yeah. Um, there's another place close by. So I left the Strand and walked up the street to Merchant Road. Right. Turned right. Well. Yeah. And I saw 40th Street. I thought, well, I got 10 more streets to go to before I get to 50th Street. It's and too far to walk. Didn't work. <laughs> you shouldn't have walked. You should have found that crazy driver to drive you over the bridge and back. <laughs> well, I messed up. I lined up turning back. And I was I always giving up. And I saw some lights in the distance. And I, I walked up 50th Street. And there was, there was your place. Yeah. And I just hung out there for a while probably a couple of hours and it was great ambience loved it and i was getting a bit tired that time so uh, it was easy for me to get a taxi back uh, to my place uh, because the taxi services were coming in to bring in people there to go to go to your 50th street bar but great ambience there actually enjoyed that um so. that was an amazing project of love so uh just to clarify i don't own it anymore um yeah. but i was the pro project manager for a Hong Kong-based investment group, Brits in Hong Kong, who had opened, you know, bars and boutique hotels all across Indochina, including the FCC, the Foreign Correspondence Club in in Phnom Penh, um, which everyone, when they go to Phnom Penh, usually goes to. But uh, so, yeah, they hired me to, because of my background in the country and speaking the language and contacts and such, to... uh, to open that restaurant, and and I did. And, I did. Uh, well, I'm, I'm sure it's successful still. A great little place it was. And, of course, going in Yangon, you've got all the markets uh, to, to walk around as well. So it's a lot of fun. So I wore my walking around the markets there. I just wore my GoPro camera as I walked <laughs> around. So I got great videos of that time. So, yeah, uh, great memories. You've got to do it while you can. So you, you're still a, a great fan of uh, Myanmar. Well, that's yes. wonderful. Um, I so I would argue that anyone, especially Americans, should get outside of the United States, outside of Europe, and go to Asia, wherever it is in Asia, be it East Asia, Southeast Asia, South Asia, um, just to to be out in the world in a way that our Eurocentric lives uh, are buffer us from. Yeah, I hundred percent agree with you. I've been going back there every year. Obviously, uh, not in the last couple of years because of the pandemic, but historically, I've been going back there every year, whether it was for business or just pleasure. And I actually, I was supposed to go to Indonesia in September to Raja Ampat. I do scuba diving, and of course, Indonesia shut down completely. And I was going to spend some time in uh, Thailand as well, so I couldn't do that, unfortunately, which was sad. I hope maybe get over there. Uh, uh, later, later this year, we'll just have to see. But I agree with you. There's so much rich culture in Asia. 
And it, it's definitely worth saying it's totally different from what we're used to here. And I've had conversations with other people about going to Asia. They always ask the question, why? And yeah, we lived in Singapore and someone said to me, isn't that a police state? No, no. <laughs> and it's, People don't understand what it's like. They have a large elements of freedom there. And Singapore has a, as a country, they have the highest IQ in the world now. There's places of beauty over there. So if anyone thinking about going over there, then uh, it would be a really great thing to do. Memories for a lifetime. Obviously, you, you've come back. You've been back over there. Um, you're in Seattle now. So um, are you going to go anywhere else soon or are you sticking, sticking around Seattle? For a living, well, yeah. I, 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 we are probably going to go to Belgrade, Serbia, in the spring mm-hmm. for my brother-in-law's wedding. Okay, but, uh, all of that is with the caveat of the pandemic, of course. It it's terrible traveling now. You know, with all of if you have a uh, have to change planes, you know, in Frankfurt, and and you're plane is canceled you know you have to keep getting the nose swabs and, and yeah oh god brutal which isn't is it at, which is as it should be uh don't get me wrong oh yeah I, absolutely i i uh it traveling is not like you and i have been accustomed to in the past um uh so yes yeah, so maybe go do that but if i can i will like you hopefully be in uh asia in the in the fall Paul. Uh, well, I hope it works out for you. Yeah. Part of my heart uh, lives there, so it'd be great to go back uh, to that. In fact, uh, September just gone. I, my niece in England—you can tell I'm a Brit, by the way, obviously—but um, my niece in England had a baby. So, uh, because I couldn't go to Indonesia, I went over to to England to see her and my sister and her family. But while I was in England, the paperwork to get into England at the time was unbelievable. You know, even though I had tests going over there, being full of vaccinated, I had a test when I got there. But while I was over there, I went to a place which is in the news right now. I went to stay in Kiev for a few days, <laughs> Kiev in Ukraine. And I thought, yeah, sort of edgy. Went there, had a wonderful time, fantastic buildings. And at least, at least I went there. And then I come back in, all this starts up. It's, it's amazing, really. You know, got to do it while you can. You never know what will happen, eh? So absolutely, absolutely. Well, I definitely want to go back to Cambodia this fall because I have this book that I'm I'm uh, promoting uh, a historical fiction novel that draws deeply from my experience working there at Tool Slang as well as just living there. And uh, it would be great to take a a uh, backpack full of books and hand out to the, yeah. the people that I knew and worked with and as a thank you for for sharing their their often life stories. Painful, yeah. painful life stories. Yeah, and, amazing. And well tell us more about that book. You know, is it released or going to be released soon? Or? Yeah, the the official release date is February 1st, but it's definitely available on all of the usual uh, uh, platforms now as a pre-order. Um, it's called The Foreigner's Confession, and it is, it's fiction, um, uh, technically historical fiction, because it takes place, it's two timelines, takes place in 1977, as well as 1993, or yeah, 1993. Yeah. It's not my story, It uh, obviously. It's kind of funny. I sort of wrote myself in as a minor character in the narrative, just okay. because. 
which was kind of a weird thing to do. Yeah. But um, anyway, um, it's it's basically sort of a suspense story um, that is one of the characters is a based on real life character, a, uh, a Yugoslavian woman who was married to a Cambodian royal and became a communist as met, you know, many people were communists back in the day. Oh, sure. um, and she ended up actually with her two kids disappearing in Cambodia during the seventies under the Khmer Rouge time. That's known for sure. And so I extrapolated on that and I had her in my fiction um, ending up as an inmate at tool slang. And so we're actually reading her story is her actual confession that that she writes during that time and then there's a the other character is a woman who is in a horrible heart car crash and has an amputation and she goes to help victims of landmines there and mm -hmm. she sees finds this mysterious object which so the two stories entwine together and end up uh both of them receiving a kind of redemption independent of time and space so it's kind of a a little odd, quirky, but uh, grounded in in history. Yes, so, okay. You, you mentioned it's fiction, but there's an element of fact in this. Absolutely. So there yeah. are, you know, all of the, you know, Hun Sen and and Pol Pot and you know the the people who are um, who are actual people. Uh, uh, do are in the story. So um, mm -hmm. for anyone who's interested in that era, you know, the Vietnam War kind of era and all yeah. of that, that um, uh, this would be, might be of interest to them. Yeah. It just, just going back to Cambodia a second there, I just, because CM Reap is a place to go to if you want to go and see Angkor Wat, which is the oldest temple and the oldest religious building in the world. But you do notice. I would argue that, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's um but gone in burma much older much bigger con con complex i mean 10 times the size of the is it really oh okay oh, much older oh yeah so uh, sorry i don't mean to, to oh that's <laughs> all right hey I, 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 but it was weird because it was a hindu temple and i'm a buddhist temple uh but yeah it's uh well, correct me on that. Well, thanks, thanks for correcting me on that. Uh, I've, I've read the history on Angkor Wat. It did, it did actually say that, I think, on Wikipedia. But but in Cambodia, you, you do notice there are, you do see occasionally casualties of bombs underground. Oh, people yeah. lost limbs. And there are people walking around on oh, sticks. Oh, and my gosh, the, the impact from the war. So there are, Cambodia has per capita more, uh, landmine victims than any place in the world. Yeah, and uh, the the United States dropped more bombs on Cambodia than any other place in the world, any other war combined. And most of the many of those bombs were just dropped to lessen the load when they were, you know, they were bombing yeah. on in Vietnam, and then they turned around to come back, and they had to get rid of their bombs before they were done. So they just, oh, let's get rid of them in Cambodia. Yeah. Mm. So um, yeah, it's it's a uh, bad isn't gnarly. It? Laos as well. As Laos, well. yeah, I was going to say Laos as well. Yeah, yeah and that's happened. And uh, the funny thing about going to Laos is, or whether it's Vientiane or right, Luang Prabang, you go there, you think, where is everybody? Where's the cars? 
<laughs> yeah. There's not that many people there. I thought, is it as a resort? I know, like a country days? like 5 million or something. That's how many people live in Yangon, just the city. Uh, yeah, I know. So, yeah, it, it, but it's so beautiful there. Oh, oh it's gorgeous. God. Yeah, absolutely. That Luang Prabang is uh, just Luang wonderful. Luang Prabang is, yep. And yeah. you go up on the hill and see the anti-artillery yes. you know, guns, you know, the Soviets put there. It's, yeah, it's really interesting. It's a, a beautiful place, yeah. But as we said, you know, what you mentioned earlier on, there's a place of beauty out there. Look, have you been to Bhutan, by the way? I have not. I want. I would like to, though. Uh, well, if you get the chance and uh, climb up to Tiger's Nest Monastery, unbelievable. It's. Um, I thought about going back there and doing it again. But it is. Uh, what was marvelous about it, in mm-hmm. particular? What was in particular amazing? It's, about it's it? there's something rather special about it because, as you know, you've seen the pictures of it. It's on the edge of the cliff, right? And yeah. it, it it was a meditation center first, but then it's become a monastery. About thirty monks live there, but it took about four hours to get up there, climb up paths. So you don't want to fall over the edge, of course. But you go to this building. The first thing comes to you: How on earth did they build this thing? which is impossible, but I just walked four hours and my adrenaline was just going so quickly. And my uh, guy with me, one of the locals said, come on, Malcolm, we're going to do some meditation. And we went in this room and all those feelings went away. You just had that sense of spirituality for that moment. It's the first time I've ever felt that anywhere. And that was something special. I thought, oh my God, what is this? It's unbelievable feeling. And if you manage to do this, it's obviously a wonderful country, uh, and it, it's obviously been stuck in time for a while. Um, uh, I look forward they're happy to, that way. Yeah. I look forward to visiting that. Yeah. I, uh, so I I meditate and and I I feel that at the Shwedagon in in um, Yangon as yeah. well, which is arguably the oldest Buddhist site. Time, yeah, exa- exactly. And um, so yes, yeah, it's, it's a rather special place, and um, so. I think if because you like Myanmar, you'll definitely like Bhutan. Yes, yeah, stuck back in time, but it's a happy place. And Any place that has a has a happiness uh, part of their uh, gross national product. That's a right. Quotient. Oh my yeah. gosh. I know. I, mean, I was there for the king's birthday as well. Just celebration. People really, really happy. And uh, they've only had TV since 1999, and there's two escalators in the country. So you do wonder why why are there Bhutanese refugees living in in Seattle? So there's you know every story has its dark side if yeah. you dig deep enough. But yeah, there are Bhutanese refugees. So yeah. what are they running from? Is it just economic? I don't know. But they've probably got a story to tell. But obviously, if you get to land at Paro Airport and then uh, spend a few days there chilling out, take the climb. It's it's doable for sure, and you know what I mean. But I just found the people very friendly, and it's just a peaceful land, wonderful. Leah, if people wanted to find you on the internet, I know you have a Facebook page, you have an Instagram page, and all that. You've got a website. Yeah. You want to tell everyone about that if they can get hold of you. If they, if they well, so, my, so yeah, my just you'll find me. My website is leahbadgley.com. Um, my name is spelled unusually for for some people, um, so I don't know, um, Malcolm, if you post that anywhere. Um, yeah. But perhaps you could do that. So um, Leah L Y A Badgley B A D G L U I dot com, and don't, you'll find everything. So yeah, don't worry about that, Leah. It's all once this is all edited and uh, posted, it'll include all your your website address and your Instagram and uh, Facebook page with the 50, 50th Street Bar on it. You know what struck me? I didn't even read about that. Going back to that, 
because um, I just went to your Facebook page and there was a picture about the bar you, you were involved with there. And my first thought, well, I didn't even read the name. I said, I recognize that place. I've been there. And that's why I dug that. Like, oh, my God. It can't, can't be. <laughs> it was really strange. It's a small world, Malcolm. We have to be careful. <laughs> Don't worry. There's no, <laughs> Obviously, that you put the pictures up there, so there's no pictures of you dancing there at all or, or anything like that. So it's, it's, it's safe. A long time ago. Yeah, a long time ago, but it's all fun. Well, keep up the traveling, Leah. Do as much as you can while you can, and that's that's my philosophy. And, absolutely, uh, I, I absolutely. You know, regardless of of ability and mobility, and you know, financial, just make i always believe you know make it make it a priority to get outside of your of one's cocoon yeah and you know what above all to what it means to me is is it's educational isn't it learn something new every day and learn how learning learning how the rest of the world works it's enlightening isn't it Indeed. and uh, there's many beautiful places around the world to see and uh, there's a lot more and it's not just about beauty. Uh, education, as you say, is is critical just to to understand that there are different ways of looking at at what we think is set in stone. Uh, reality uh, is very different when you go to, for example, Cambodia. Well, m- most of the countries in South a- Southeast Asia where they they believe in ghosts and and the ghosts are sitting right right next to you and they'll and and it's a whole different concept of reality yeah, um, yeah it is it is but it, it, it's worth the visit just to learn a bit about that culture the, the way they live and all that so um we're not done yet leah we got plenty of years ahead of us to uh, learn a bit more hopefully <laughs> yourself malcolm yeah, <laughs> yeah i don't it's, yes, it's all right plenty. yeah i'm a tra- i'm a travel addict that's what this podcast is called right yeah it's, you are as well all right well it's great meeting you leah best to wishes for the future hopefully you'll get over to asia before the end of the year and Thank you, uh, and uh yeah keep in touch all right all right bye-bye bye-bye Many thanks for joining me today. This is Malcolm Teasdale signing off. Before I do, please check out my website, malcolmjteasdale.com, for more information about my travels around the world. Okay, folks, talk to you later. Bye for now. Stay safe.